You're listening to Amazing Health, where we empower you to make informed health decisions. This is The Fountain of Youth, Episode 1 with Diana Burnett. I want to welcome our friends that have come to hear our talk tonight and our friends around the world of amazing discoveries. We have a special message for you tonight on health. I believe that health is of great concern to every individual. Perhaps you are struggling with some health issue yourself, and as we all age, you know, there's what am I going to do, and we start facing different things in our life. So health is critical to understand. Tonight's message is the beginning of a series, Finding the Fountain of Youth. And I'll apologize a little bit to begin with. This presentation is going to be the basics. It's the very basics of health and of our life. And so I don't mean to offend you in being so basic, but I pray there will be a blessing for you and an inspiration in things that maybe you hadn't seen it in this perspective before. Now, I want to recognize a friend that I have just recently met oh, a few months ago, Dr. Hurst Mueller. I hope I said his name right. He's from Germany, and he is an ear, nose, and throat doctor. And back in about 2003, 2004, he went through a, a deep conversion experience. And he was just getting into medicine at that time, and he was asking the Lord, how do you want me to practice medicine? And the Lord led him to a health book called Ministry of Healing. And as he read those pages, he read something that was very, very significant to him. There was a passage in there that said, nine out of ten illnesses that we face have its origins in the mind. That's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. And so as he started seeing his patients, he started something that isn't what you're, how you're trained in medicine. And what he was focusing on were the stressors in people's life. When he would take his intake, you know, like, okay, what are you coming to me for? What's your problems? And you go through all the history. What he really spent time on was, how's your relationships? Tell me about your mom and dad. Tell me about your family. Do you have a spouse or a significant other or children? And he would take notes. And he found over the last 12 years of looking at the stresses that happen in someone's life and looking at the disease that they come up with, that there's a direct correlation. And so today, after this long of experience, he can almost tell what has happened in someone's life before he even knows their history. Because there's a pattern. If something shows up at a certain part of the body, there's a, a different relationship problem that has been broken. And so he greatly inspired me that, you know, as, as a typical training in medicine, 
what we're looking at is, okay, what's going on with this body? What, what's your family history? You're looking at real physical type things. But it is very important to learn about someone's heart. And in the church where my parents go attend, as you go into the sanctuary, they have a sign on the doors going in. And it says, treat everyone you know as though they have a broken heart, because they probably do. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? When you really sit and talk to people, life is hard. We suffer a lot of pain. And I'm a Christian. I believe in a creator God, and I believe he's my source of strength, and he's my comfort, and he heals the broken heart. And he sustains us, and his message is, I want you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And I want to take you home to heaven. But while you're here on this earth, he said, I have a plan for you. And I want you to know that plan so that you can have the best health possible, even though we're living on this planet that's broken. Isn't that a wonderful God? Well, let's ask the Lord to be with us tonight, and we'll look at his basic plan. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we beseech you again to be with us. You have created us. You know how we function. You know our very thoughts. And you know every hurt, every burden that we carry. So, Father, would you be here with us, with our audience around the world, that there will be a message from heaven to us today that will help us in this path of life home to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, finding the fountain of youth. Is anyone here looking forward to getting old? and older. <laughs> Someone likes to get old. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be older. I couldn't wait to be older. And you know, but today, as I'm getting older and the hair starts turning gray, I don't mind the gray hair so much, you know? Kind of looks like natural highlights. But maybe the men never do this. I'm sure men never do this. But women, do you ever go like this? It's like, you know, just if I had a little clothespin right here, I would look 20 years younger. You know? So our bodies grow old, and our minds grow old. But when your health starts breaking down, I'm living with my parents, and, and they're aging. And they both have been very active all their life, and now they can't do what they used to do. And it's a challenge. So it's, it's been a millennia that people have been looking for the answer to keep young, the fountain of youth. I have up here the story about Ponce de Leon. Have you heard of him? You know, so he was a famous explorer, and they say he was sent here um, from Spain looking for this magic fountain. In fact, that's how he ended up in Florida, was he was in Florida looking for this fountain. Well, people today, centuries later, are still looking for the fountain of youth. 
I have a few um, statistics up here, and this is one from America. In 2010, Americans spent more than $33 billion on cosmetics and other beauty aids to keep them looking young. And if it says anti-wrinkle, it comes with usually a heavy price. You know, people are willing to put a lot of money if it promises to keep away those um, traces of age. Worldwide, there's a statistic that the global um, analysts have come out with. It says that the products for anti-aging are looking at over $290 billion by the year 2015. We, we live in an economically suppressed world, but look where people are putting their money. People do not want to grow old. We do not want to die. We do not want to face that reality. Well, the truth is we're all going to die, isn't it? But God does have a plan that will keep us in health better than any cream that you can buy on the market. There's no magic bullet, but he has a plan that will help us to stay vital as much as possible. And if you follow these plans, the more you follow his plans, the greater your blessings are going to be. You know, you put a little bit of effort into it, you're going to get a little bit of results back. But I tell you, the Lord will fulfill his promise. So the principles of life were laid down at the foundation of this earth, at creation. And they're the same today as they were 6,000 years ago when God made us. In fact, they're more important because if you think about it, Adam came fresh from the hand of God. And his body was perfect. He was not meant to die. So the plan that God gave him as a perfect human being without facing death is all the more applicable to us today. They're very basic but profound. They take discipline to follow, especially in today's world because one of the number one problems with human beings today in a study of over a million individuals a questionnaire was put out, and they asked them, what is your greatest character strength? Self-control is at the bottom. No one says, oh, I have self-control. And then on the opposite end, when they ask people, what is your greatest personal weakness? Lack of self-control is at the top. So the problem that we have is that we don't have the discipline to put these plans into life. But it's going to be worth your effort to study these plans. Now this is something, I love this scripture, where David said in Psalms 139, verse 14, I will praise thee. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And I, I will tell you, my greatest joy is studying how God's creation works. I get thrilled when I read things about 
how food affects our bodies and the chemistry that's in food and how it's made. So we can say, oh, incredible is God's way. He understands us. And we can just sit and marvel. And so if God is our creator, we need to trust him to know how this body works, right? So let's get started. Up here I have a picture of a cell. A cell is very complicated. It's not just this simple one unit with nothing in it. It is a manufacturing system. It's an industry, and there's busy workers constantly going on. We are a biological system. Do you know what biology means? Biological means bio is life. We're a living system, and the cell is the basic unit of life. So what goes on in this cell is very important. You have one cell, and they congregate together, and they make a tissue. Those tissues congregate together, and they make an organ. And those organs are integrated with other parts of your system, and all together you have a life that has to be finely tuned like an orchestra, and it has to be in time for everything to work. Well, this cell has organization. Every organization, every business in the world today, in order to survive, they must have a system that works, and they have to have leadership. We'll call them the CEO. Now in the cell, in the very center there, you see the, the little part that's opened up like this, and you have the little red spot in the middle. That's the nucleus. And inside the nucleus is the CEO of life. It's your DNA, your genes. In the genes is what tells everything in that cell what to do. So you have an organization, and they have to produce a product. But in order to produce it, it needs resources to come in, right? So this organization, this cell, needs products to come in. The energy of any system in the body, any living system, does not come from within itself. Do you realize that? It cannot produce its own energy. It's from an outside source. So where does the energy come from? Well, that is from the basic essential needs of life. And we're going to talk about what those are, but I want you to get this concept. Now, I told you that this is going to be very basic, but it's as simple as it is. You must understand this to be able to understand why God asks you to follow certain principles in keeping your life healthy. Disease comes when the needs, our basic needs of the cell to function, are not met. Does that make sense? So when your body is lacking the basic needs, something's going to break. And we call that illness, disease. So how do we know what the needs are? Well, every industry has to have a purpose. When you understand what your purpose is going to be, then you understand what resources you need. 
So if you have an industry that's a paper mill, they produce paper, they're going to, the resources that come in are going to be something to make paper, right? If it's a, a clothing industry, they're going to need fabric. So what we need to understand is the purpose of the cell. And then you will understand the basic needs. So it is the job of the genes or the CEO to make sure that those basic purposes are acquired, or the basic resources are acquired to, us, to perform the purpose of that organization. Does that make sense? So the genes inside your cell are driving the system and saying, this is what I need. I need energy, and in order to get that energy, here's what I need. So, what is the purpose of life? There's an incredible passage in the, in the book Desire of Ages, one of the greatest books ever written on the life of Christ. And early in the book, when it's introducing Emmanuel, God with us, it makes this statement. Even now, all of created things declare the glory of his excellence. Everything. There is nothing save the selfish heart of man that lives unto itself. No bird that cleaves the air, no animal that moves upon the ground, but ministers to another life. So what is the purpose of everything that God has created? Ministry, service. Nothing but the selfish heart of man lives for himself. God created us to serve others. Let me, let me put it in a, in a drawing. Here we have, on the left-hand side of the screen there, you see at the top is God the Father. And everything comes from the Father to the Son. He gives everything needed to the Son, to Jesus. And then Jesus opens up his hand and gives all the resources of heaven to his created beings. All you need will be provided from God. And that's why he wants you to trust him. He said, don't I even care for the sparrows? If I care for the sparrows, will I not supply your needs? You don't need to worry. I take care of my created beings. But in turn, all of creation is to work to serve others. The, the grass that grows has a purpose that helps the other animals to live. We live in this, we call it the cycle of life. And then in return, we all give praise back to Jesus, which goes back to the Father, and the circle continues. And I personally believe, you, you look up there, we don't have the Holy Spirit up there, do we? But I believe it's the Holy Spirit that brings the gifts to us. And he's the humble part, the humblest, you know. He's never mentioned. Then he doesn't take praise to himself. So we need service. In order to do service, well, let's define service. Service is the action of helping or doing work for someone. So God's plan is that in the circuit of beneficence, it's you, you, someone gives, someone takes. But you only take to give. So it's give, take, give, take. Does that make sense? Let's look at photosynthesis. 
Photosynthesis is a beautiful picture of this give and take. A plant, the green leaves, are green because as the sun shines down on them, the sun hits them, and an incredible process is going on inside of them where they convert carbon dioxide and the sunlight, and they make sugar, energy, into for this plant to live. And they give off oxygen. So they take in carbon dioxide and they give off oxygen. We breathe in the oxygen and give off carbon dioxide, and that's what the plant, plant needs. So we go into this cycle of helping one another. Isn't that beautiful? And then we can eat the plant. The glucose that it made for energy becomes a source of energy for us. It's a beautiful plan. So if you do service, what do you need to do service? It requires action, correct? In order to do action, you have to have energy. Energy requires basic needs, OK? No body, no tissue, no organization can supply that energy in itself. It has to come from outside. If something is missing or it's the wrong product, the whole function's going to fail. The gene then inside the cell is going to send a message somewhere in the body that something's wrong. And that message is going to show up in pain. Have every, any of you ever felt pain? You get headaches. You get a backache. Something happens. We all face pain. When the body gives a signal of pain, it is a message that the basic resources, something's wrong. It could be you put something wrong in. Does that make sense? So we should always ask ourselves, when something goes wrong in our body, what is it that's out of balance? What resource is missing or put in wrong? Another key point is that these laws that govern the world are fixed. Now, I don't want to throw this up in the air because I'd embarrass myself if I don't catch it. But if I threw this up in the air, what's going to happen? It's going to come down. If I throw this up in the air a hundred times, how many times will it come down? Do you know that when Adam and Eve threw something up in the air 6,000 years ago, it did the same thing? It hasn't changed. The laws that govern our being have not changed. They have not changed, and they will not change. If you choose to not go by the laws, the, the fixed laws, you have to accept the consequences. If you break the laws that govern your well-being, your health, you're going to get consequences. The only way to get rid of that disease process or whatever is broken is by stopping what made you break. Or drugs were made to cover the symptom. Do you realize that? Drug medication hides the brokenness. And it gives you a false idea that you're OK. But you're not. It's just covering them up. The problem that's breaking you is still continuing. So when anything goes wrong in your system, 
you must discover the cause. And in medicine, most of the time, most of the things that are faced, when you look at, try to find a cause, do you know that they usually say, we don't know. We don't know. There's, there's no cause. But there is a cause. There's always a cause. And if you don't find the cause, how are you going to be able to reverse the problem? Here's the biblical principles for that. In Galatians um, chapter 6, verse 7, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So the Bible teaches us this principle. And then in Proverbs 26, 2, it says the curse causeless does not come. So it doesn't just happen that we get broken. Now, accidents happen. You know, you might fall off a ladder or you get in a car accident. But that's a cause, isn't it? You know, and that's something that wasn't within your um, realm of choosing. You know, it just, it's an accident. But most of the things that we face are not from accidents. You know, it's from things that we're doing that we are maybe ignorant of or choose not to do. All right, I've got a chart here, and we're going to go through filling this. This is the basic needs we're going to start with. This is the laws of life. So let me ask you, what are the basic needs of our body to live? Okay, we're going to put them up for sake of time, all right? So we can think about it. We, we need oxygen. We need water. And this is in somewhat in order of importance, but not necessarily. You know, you can't live for long with, without oxygen. We have to have water. We have to have nutrition. And I termed it nutrition and not food, because some food is, in a sense, not nutrition. We need sleep, and we need shelter. And we need shelter because basically shelter is to keep our body temperature at our living realm, right? So it's 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit or about 37 degrees centigrade. And, you know, if you get much lower than that, what's going to happen? You'll stop living, won't you? If you go much higher than that, the same thing. We, we will die. So we have this narrow realm that we need to live in and we have to stay there or we're going to have serious consequences. We need sunlight. What will happen if you don't have sunlight? We do need to exercise, but why do we need to exercise? Keep the blood moving and keep oxygen in. Yes, it helps keeping us cleansed. And I'll tell you, I struggled with saying do I put exercise up there or not? It's like because exercise is oxygen, it makes the water flow, it keeps our nutrition going, you know, it's, the, it's what gives us perfect circulation. There's another key thing that a physician will never ask you if you're lacking. Well, I can't say never, because some people are paying attention to this. But it's love. Do we need love? Now, I'm talking, not talking about passion. I'm talking about the principle that if we do not have love, we will die. They have done studies. They've looked at babies that were orphaned, you know, orphaned, and they had them in their cribs, 
and the caretakers simply fed them, bathed them, and provided their essential needs. Never touched them, never held them. They died. They died. So love is an essential need. Is there anything up here on our basic need that could change, that you could say, I don't need it, or it's a fixed law? Okay, it's fixed. Let's look at the organ that we have that receives this need. So what organ in our body receives oxygen? It's our lungs. We use our lungs to take in the oxygen. We use our stomach. And actually, from, from this mouth to the, the bottom end there, that's your gastrointestinal tract. So you have one long tube, and that's responsible for taking your water and your food in. And your sleep, it's your brain. Basically, the brain is what deals with sleeping, and your skin and your hypothalamus is your thermostat. So those are the important parts for the shelter and body temperature. You get the sunlight in through your eyes and through your skin, right? Now, what organ do we have to receive love? The brain, the heart, anything else? Okay, you know what? What I want to do is skip it. And I want to come back, and we're going to look at it after we fill in the rest of the chart. Now, can you change any of these laws? Can you take oxygen in through your ear? No, these are fixed laws, aren't they? The way God made us, they're fixed. Let's go to what do you need to do to take this in? What action is needed? You have to breathe. Now, it's pretty much an automatic reaction. You don't have to think about it all the time. But you have to breathe. You can choose not to breathe. People can smother themselves. But you have to take an action to stop it but you have to breathe. Water, you have to drink. Nutrition, you have to eat. Sleep, you have to stop work. You have to rest. So that's probably a very hard thing, you know, is to just stop what you're doing. You get in gear, but you need to rest. And what about shelter or temperature? Well, if you're cold, you need to get warmer. Or, you know, if you're too warm, you need to do something to get cooler or you stay the same. So, you know, there's things you do. You adjust the thermometer, you put on more clothes, you drink warm water, whatever it takes. What do you need to do to take in to get love? You're a good class. They said to share, to give love. That's... We're going to come back to that, too, and see how it fits into this whole circuit of beneficence. So let's leave that empty. Are these laws fixed? Can you change anything about this? You can't. So it's fixed laws. Now I want to ask you, on all of these basic needs, can you produce the resource? Can you produce the oxygen? No. Can you produce water? No. Can you produce your food? You can go grow a garden, can't you? But you cannot make that food. If you don't get the seed from somewhere, which comes from another seed and another plant, 
you won't have food. You can't produce it. Can you produce sleep? Sleep is one of the biggest mysteries still to medicine. Why we fall asleep and how we fall asleep is a mystery. But if you don't do it and don't stop, you're in trouble. It's a gift. Sleep is a gift. Sunlight. Can you produce sunlight? The answer is no. Can you produce love? Well, the answer is no, 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 right? But we're going to leave open love. We're going to come back to that. Are these fixed? Definitely. They're fixed laws. All right. Last column. What is the source of our basic needs? Where do they come from? Who provides our oxygen, our food, our sleep? We talked about it a little bit. I mentioned it. Who, who make, gives us all these things? Where do we get them from? God ultimately, doesn't he? But our first ones, oxygen, water, nutrition, shelter, sunlight, it comes from nature, which is a gift from God. And the source of love? It is God. Can someone experience love if they don't have God? Well, we don't think so. But have any of you known someone who doesn't believe in God? I have, I have people in my life that do not believe in God. And they do unselfish things. So would I say that they can have love? They can, but where is it coming from if they're not connected to God? It's still from God, isn't it? It's still from God, even if they don't acknowledge it. That's right. But can a human have true, perfect, godly love without God? We know in 1 Corinthians 13, the first thing it says is love is kind. Love is patient. Love does not envy. Have any of you ever become impatient? Have any of you ever been unkind? I can raise my hand. I can raise my hand. I, 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 I'm, I think of myself as being a somewhat patient person, but I have been proven to be very impatient. I cannot love without God. Okay, is the source fixed? It's fixed. All right, now let's go back. We want to fill in these question marks definitively because we need to be able to perfectly say where these sources come from and what it is. So in order to do this, let's go back to our purpose of life, the circuit of beneficence. The whole principle that it works on was give and take, give and take, give and take, right? Do you know a scripture or something from God that tells how we are to give love? Because if God gives us love and we take it, we have to give it, right? What does God say to us? 
how do we, what is the part of our body that we are to give love? It's in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So if these are the parts of our being that we need to give love, it also must be the part that we take it from, right? So our heart, that's not this heart. It is the heart in our mind. I believe it's the part of the the brain that is the feelings, the emotions, all of your motivation, all of your drive. And the soul, the Bible tells us that it's the body plus the spirit of God that, that we became a living soul. So with all of our body, with all of our spirit, and then with all of our mind, I believe that's our frontal lobe, with all of our intellect, with all that we have, all of our reasoning power. So basically, it's all of us, isn't it? We have a spiritual nature that responds to love, but the effect of love is taken in by every cell of our body. Does that make sense? And so when we go back to our chart, the organ to receive love is the heart, the mind, and the soul. Correct? And the action that we need to take to take to get love is, it was mentioned before, we must give love. In order to receive, we must give. And can I produce it? The answer is no. All right, now we're going to tie all this in with health because what I want you to see is what I said at the beginning that nine out of ten things have their source, nine out of ten illnesses, diseases, have their source in the mind. And it has to do with this issue of love. It's an issue of the heart. So let's put these laws that we've just gone through on a path. We are on this pathway. We are given a life, and we are... We're, Whatever path, whatever journey we're on, what keeps us in health is dependent on staying on that path. And as you see, I have arrows going off to both sides. If you choose to not follow these laws of health, if you decide that you want to um, breathe something other than oxygen, you know, there's, there's people out there that want to get high, on something, and so they breathe a chemical. You know, there's the, the sprayers where they blow air, on, you know, to clean your computers off. You know, they'll spray that and breathe that in. It's a chemical, and it'll give them a high. Or, you know, that you, they breathe gasoline or, you know, other things. So you can choose, but what's going to happen? You're going to get off the path, and the farther off the path you go, the more brokenness you're going to have. Now, you're not silly enough to go breathe some of these chemicals that will destroy your brain and your body. But what if you don't practice deep breathing? You know, what if we have poor posture and we're not taking in deep breaths? We're going to suffer from a lack of oxygen. And what if we have a room where we're not getting fresh air all the time? So there are things that are going to compromise our oxygen. 
What about water? Do you know what the devil's plan is? He wants to get us off this path. So instead of drinking water, we want to put some substances in it. We want to put some coffee, you know, from the coffee bean, or we want to put something sugary in it. We want to put some, we want to make Coke or sodas, you know, so we change the, we change God's plan. You know, most people don't drink water. They, if whatever they take in is something perverted water. Satan always wants to take this plan and push you off the edge one way or another. He has, he wants to give you a different resource. But as soon as you change the perfect resource, you're going to face disease. So we need to get good, pure water with nothing in it. We don't want to pervert it. Now, what about nutrition? If nutrition is what gives you the building blocks for your body. And in Genesis 1.29, we read that God made this perfect diet of fruit and grain and nuts and legumes. And then he added vegetables after the fall. This is the perfect nutrition to feed this body. And in our later lectures, other series, we'll talk about what happens when this nutrition changes. When people eat animal products or when you eat refined food, you can't change the whole food that God made without consequences. And the farther you get away from God's perfect plan, your system's going to break. Okay? The same with sleep. Do you know that our world today tries to do away with God's plan? And that we push the hours of sleep. Can you change that perfect plan that God made us to sleep at night? You can't do it without heavy consequences. Have you heard of melatonin? Melatonin is the hormone that helps your brain go to sleep. The peak of melatonin is about when it starts, not the peak, but when it starts to climb, you know, it's down here. If we had a graph, it would be low. And it starts to climb about 8 p.m. That doesn't count for daylight savings time. That This messes, up, messes our system up. But you start climbing, and it peaks at midnight. And it stays high for an hour or so, and then it dramatically starts dropping until 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. It's back down to almost nothing. So what's going to happen if you decide, I'm not going to go to bed between, well, let's say, 9 o'clock? 9 o'clock is a, is a reasonable time to go to bed. And you decide, well, I'll get eight hours of sleep, but I'm going to go to bed at midnight. You can do that, and you can sleep eight hours, but do you realize that the majority of the melatonin that your brain needs for healing, melatonin doesn't help you just go to sleep. It's one of the major, major antioxidants that does repair in the brain because, you know, there's a lot of work going on when you're thinking, and there's a lot of waste, and there's cells that need cleaned up, and the melatonin is one of the substances that help you clean up. And so if you choose to go to bed any times, particularly after midnight, 
you are going to miss over two-thirds of the melatonin that your body needed. So you can't just choose to arbitrarily say, I'm going to go to sleep when I want. You need to follow these laws if you want to work in perfect harmony with what God has done for us. What about the sun? You know, it's kind of hard when you, the farther you live up north and then you have climate where you don't see a lot of sun and we have a lot of problems from it, don't we? And man is helping us, you know, with we can get a supplement and if you don't get enough sunlight in, that's a, that's a good second best. But I'm going to tell you, it's like taking white sugar in compared to eating the whole food. You're going to be missing out a large component of what you get from the whole sun. Now, what about love? What if you choose to work outside of God's perfect plan of love? What is going to happen to your system? Is it going to break just like any of these other systems? It will. Let's go back to our circuit. And what I want to do is just take up what you see on the right-hand side here. I want to take you out of the big system, and, and you're just this little microcosm of, re, of relationships. And so here you are in the center, and you have the other people in your life. And I even put pets up there because pets are important. Animals are important. We have relationships. We have parents. We have spouses. We have our children. We have friends. We have people at work. And so there's this give and take that's going on. Now what's going to happen, let's say we have a husband and wife. And they are in a relationship where they are to share love. And I'm just going to pick on a man. Let's say the husband decides to be unfaithful. And he starts going outside of this commitment and finding a different relationship. Is that going to hurt his spouse? Definitely, doesn't it? And he gets involved in an affair. So he has broken his line, this circuit of love that God has put us into. And even though it hurts the wife, does she have to break? Do you know what I'm asking? She is the one being hurt. It's the spouse, the husband, being the one who's hurting her. She's the victim. And their marriage comes apart. Let's say it's, it, it's a system where he doesn't want to reconcile. He's got this taste from outside, and it changes the dynamic. What happens more times than not is that the victim is the one that shows up with cancer. The victim is the one that shows up with arthritis. The victim is the one that shows up with migraines. Why? Because most of the time, what we do as humans is that we react to the person who has hurt us. 
and we become angry, and we become bitter, and we might become revengeful. Do you know what I'm saying? If someone says something mean about you, doesn't it hurt? And, and do you cut yourself off sometimes? Do you want bad things to happen to that person? And so the victim, although they're a victim and they have been cut off because of that person's decision to not give the love that they should be giving, but if, let's say, the, the wife is me in the center. If someone chooses not to love me, is my source of love cut off? No. Because my source of love ultimately is never somebody else. Does that make sense? And in order to stay in this circuit of beneficence in the flow of God's love, and God's love is what heals us. In order to stay in that, we must continue to love. Didn't Jesus say that? We must love our enemies. Did Jesus ever stop loving his enemies? No, never. And that is why when you read in the Bible particularly in the letters from John, he understood this love and that how we, the world will know that we are Christians, that we belong to God, is because only those who are connected to God are able to love those who do not love them. Does that make sense? And as soon as you react to someone not loving you, then you've stepped outside that circle also. And you might be breaking other habits in your life, but it is a bitterness, a hurt that you hold on to that's going to break your system. When I was discussing the story about my my daughter's death, or my daughter's cancer, um, with my friends. I, one, my, my, um, one brother said to me, I think that the divorce that you went through was one of the major causes. I believe he's right. He is right because it broke her. The Bible says a merry heart doeth well, good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth up the bones. We do not have the, the emotions and attitudes of the enemy without having an impact on this body. And so what I want to tell you tonight, maybe you came and I don't want you to be disappointed we're going to learn more about the right things to eat and the, and the things that impact you. But I could tell you all the right things to eat. But if you do not have a spirit that stays under the control of God's love, you can eat all the good food you want, but you're still going to break. Does that make sense? And so it is very important that we examine our life and not only is it a gift to receive love, 
but it is from God who takes away that human response to be angry, to be bitter. And so Ephesians 4, 31, 32 tells us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. I had a conversation with a dear sister recently and we were talking about things. You know, we all face um, conflict, right? It's, it's hard as when we as humans have stress between us, whether it's in the family, in our church, in our work, it puts a strain on us. But she said something important to me. She says, you know, I've made a choice. She said, I don't want to dwell on the things that have hurt me in the past. She said, because you know what I found out? That when I keep bringing up the past, what someone else has done, what it tells me is that I have not forgiven. And so when you do not forgive, what it is, it doesn't really, it's not a matter of changing the other person. What it's forgiving is, is a matter of freeing yourself, that you don't hold them responsible. Like Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so it frees you to stay in God's love. And as we're talking about that, just to make it clear, how many of you have ever been in love? And when you're in love, don't you have more energy and vitality and everything seems great? That's because that now, this isn't just human love and passion, but that's part of the love. It's part of the joy that God gives us. So in love, there's this energy that will override, and it actually makes you want to do things that are right. So God is calling us to that. Bitterness is a deep anger and resentment, encompassing both anger and hate. And these are attitudes that will tear our life apart. So 1 John 3, 14 says, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So the Bible tells us, if you step outside this parameter of your, the basic need of love, you're, already, you're on the pathway to disease, which leads to death. And what God wants, even though our mortal body might die, what it's saying is you're going to abide in eternal death because you can't survive without God's love. And so the first thing that God wants to give us in giving us our resource, he wants to tell you, I'm going to fulfill all your needs. I will give you that merry heart. I will take away those attitudes. Sometimes it's a struggle. Have you ever struggled with your anger towards somebody? I've told the Lord. It's like, I know I don't understand what I'm feeling, but I know it's not right, and I don't know how to get rid of it. But take it from me. Change me. Sometimes it's a battle because I really want to hold on to it because they deserve me to be mad at them, right? But God can change us. So we want to stay within the circuit of beneficence. Let's close with this thought. In John, 1 John 4, verse 11 and 12, Beloved, 
if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. He doesn't wait for us to, want to wait for us to get to heaven. He wants to come and dwell in us today, and his love will be perfected in us. He is the source of our life. And so we're going to look at the principles of life, as, of health, as we go through the next few nights. We have four nights, and we will talk about some specific things. So I want to thank you for coming tonight. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, that the importance of living within God's parameters, the way he has made us, has been impressed in a way that maybe you hadn't seen before. Well, let's close in prayer and ask for his love to go with us. Our Father in heaven, we know that sin cuts us off from you, and it even takes away our desire to be with you. But you went in search of us. You long for our, our service, our love to be turned back to you so that you could pour out your love into us. Thank you for giving us that love first. And be with us, Father. Heal our brokenness. Someone out there that is hearing this message today is suffering. They're hurting. They've, they've been wounded. They've been abused. Or perhaps they have been the abuser. But Lord, we need healed hearts, and we ask that you will abide in us, come and deal with us, and return us back to that perfect circle of love and help us to love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.